Welcome, book lovers, to another Adapted. This time we go all the way to Massachusetts onto a fishing boat in what is called the Perfect Storm. Stay tuned. This is Book Circle Online, featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, Book Circle Online. That's right. In honor for those of you watching on video, if not, that's okay. I'll tell you, I'm wearing flannel. <laughs> good Very old, fitting. Good old Massachusetts shirt. We have Marissa Serafini. Hello, everyone. And I'm Phil Svitek. And today we're covering not only the book, but also the movie called The Perfect Storm. Yes. And it is indeed aptly titled because it is based on true events, both the book and then, of course, the movie of a 1991 hurricane mm -hmm. that was just devastating well the perfect storm yes <laughs> but before we get into things a couple couple things to note number one if you want to follow along there is our rundown in the description box you can click it it's a pdf follow along it has our research and secondly we're going to get into spoiler territory therefore if you haven't really read the book if you haven't seen the movie it will be spoiled now. What's interesting about this is that it is a true story. So for all intents and purposes, if you look up the history of The Perfect Storm, you'll kind of be spoiled anyway. So, but regardless, there you have it. And as we always do, let's start with overall impressions. This time, let's start with the book. Marissa. Right. Well, I was really excited to read the book because I knew about the movie, just never really knew that it was also based off a book. I remember when the movie came out, I was young. And uh, so excited to read the book. And then while reading it, it didn't give me the exact information that I thought I was going to read. I thought it was going to be essentially what we would have seen in the movie, which we'll definitely get to. And it was a lot of science, which is very informative. I mean, uh, Sebastian Younger did really did his research, and it was interesting to read. But throughout reading it, I just kept thinking to myself, okay, what does this have to do with the Andrea Gale? Like, great information to learn, but somehow it has to apply to Andrea Gale, and I was just waiting and waiting for it to get to that point. And it is a lot of science. Very interesting. Not necessarily did we need it all. Yeah, it's it's one of those stories. It's, it, you know, I went into it thinking it'd be more of a retelling. You know, when you, when you say the word story, is a story sort of implies emotion, empathy, perhaps sympathy and, and all that. And, and, and you cling on to people you like. Mm -hmm. This was very scientific in its nature and... It, which isn't necessarily bad, it's just not what I was prepared for. Uh, you know, a lot of the structure of the book was, there was a storm. A storm is blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And so, so it would whatever the last word it ended on is what the next sentence began with. And what I never really got a chance to understand was, was the people. And I would have hoped, you know, when, when you sort of look at it, there is... When you, when you, as far as the perfect storm, it, it was supposed to be centered around this Andrea Gale, which is a boat uh, with with six fishermen that went out to sea and they they did get lost and because of this storm, this hurricane, and never came back. And you would think like, we can have a little bit of lead up into their lives, what led them to that place, and then kind of the aftermath of it. Um, but it was it was very specific to the events of this. Mm -hmm. other storms and things of that nature 
and kind of gave a retelling of how harsh the conditions really were. So I think the movie and the book actually work quite well in tandem because they fill in information for both. They do. And like the book is like all the information that you need to know of how it happened. And then the movie is basically just showing what happened. And it's it's interesting, both um, you know, both parallelisms, but also the there was just so much information and even at the the foreword of the book really has Sebastian admitting that he doesn't know exactly he doesn't know the men personally. He didn't know how they exactly felt in the emotions during the events when the Andrea Gale went down. So in the first pages, he admits that he doesn't know all the full details. And so I'm already going into the book being like, okay, so how much can he fabricate or, you know, fictionalize that would still make sense of what happened of the situation. But then when I learn all these scientific facts and how much a clip costs for their nets and how long the nets are and how much money they make for every fish and stuff... I'm just thinking to myself, oh, because he doesn't know the actual events and the people that were part of this event, he's just padding this book with scientific information. All in all, I felt it could have been shorter and it would have been just as impactful, if if not more impactful about that, those elements. Yeah. Because I didn't mind it, it, you know, even though we get down to the specifics of how much the fish cost, to me, it's a very 50,000 above sea level viewpoint rather than getting into the the nitty gritty and twenty thousand dollars worth of equipment gets strapped into the sea every night sometimes it doesn't make it back um interesting stuff but you still wonder how that even applies to the andrea gale yeah one of the one of the missteps that i thought of the book was because there's so much not, not necessarily terminology but locations and where we're supposed to know it would have just been nice to have a map. And I realize these are real places and I can yeah. look up the map. But, but you know, at, at a time when Google wasn't as prevalent as it is today, it, the book could have benefited from something along those lines. Yeah, and especially on open seas, it's so easy to get lost already. It's like your whereabouts and your pinpoint location on the sea. So when he's just mentioning small towns, like, okay, it's somewhere on the east coast (laughs) and so you do have to go to the map and i think the like what made this book successful is that the people who read it are the people who are from the area and know and can relate to those areas in which it applies to them for people like us i mean you you actually you know you are from boston as well phil i am not (laughs) so for someone who's not native to the land would have no bearings of the location that are in this book well there was a lot of locations thrown about very quickly and not that we necessarily went to all those places but uh some people were from florida and then we're talking about canadians uh we're (laughs) we're talking about the japanese with the yushinmara and all that and so we're jumping around to in theory many locations even though we're supposed to stay in in a very contained one Uh, and you know because i don't know it's just one of those things because it is so scientific i would have you almost expect it to be like a textbook where it's going to give you some visuals along the way to, I, I mean, the fact that we're talking about different types of hooks, <laughs> just put in the different types of hooks, just a picture's yeah, worth pictures. a thousand words. No, I completely agree. That's what I, also what I was thinking while reading this book. This is basically a science textbook that people could teach in school and which is great. It's very informational, 
But also, if you're going to marry it with a specific event that happens, I'm not sure the science really applies to a novel, so to speak. It, it, it got lost in between for me, and I, I applaud him for the amount of research he did and for what he was able to tell. But, you know, if it is a scientific book, what's the takeaway? You know, what, what is the lesson learned, right? What, or what, what, what are you supposed to teach? Um, if it's emotional, number one, there's just, we can talk about the sheer number of characters. Mm-hmm. There's just, even early on, we're talking about all these different characters, and we haven't even gotten to the other boats, the rescuers, that are to come later. Right. And they wanted just something to, to hold on to. And even the crew members on the, the other ship, the Hannah Bowden and stuff. So it's like you, you get a sense of some characters peppered throughout, but you never get enough time to actually spend with them and get to know these characters as you would in a normal book or a movie. Let me ask you this. As far as the dialogue, there's there's not a lot of dialogue. No. But when there is, it doesn't even use quotes, and it's just kind of told. Yeah, and, and it's more like, sorry, it's more like letter of just recanting of what happened. Yeah, so it'd be like, Marissa said this, and then without a, even a paragraph break, Phil said this in response, and then moving on. Yeah. With now, again, without quotes. So I, I, I've never... I, to, to my knowledge, I've yet to read, and by the way, I'd be very curious for those of you at home or wherever you are at work, doesn't matter, driving, to let me know if there, there's a similar type of book that you've read in terms of structure. Mm, yeah. Uh, you Because know? I've read plenty of instructional guides and I've read plenty of, plenty of novels. This falls in between. Well, the structure from jumping from science to an historical event back to the science, back to the event. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's definitely a different structure that we've read so far in our past adapted books. But reading all the science, I definitely understood why they kept going back out to sea. The importance of them fishing and their the importance of the haul that they needed to get for fish just to make money. I got that within 100 pages of the first 100 pages detailing the specific notes of, like, every fish and every pound and how if you make so much fish you can tank the the whole system in in one location it's like interesting i definitely got the importance of why they kept going back out and facing the weather just for the importance of fishing absolutely let's let's take a step back and just talk about sebastian himself why he wrote the book his 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 background so forth he's not a journalist in in the pure sense at least not so much as he calls himself. He doesn't right. call himself a journalist. Uh, but for all intents and purposes, that's that's what he is. He just, instead of writing daily, he's, he does more of these exposés like mm-hmm. this one. Um, at this point, he's done quite a number of things, uh, including a huge profile of, of Afghanistan uh, and, and so forth. Obviously this, and, you know, he's, he's worked with, as, as far as the people that he's worked with, the New York Times Magazine, National Geographic, Outside and Men's Journal, Harper's. So lots of um, lots of respectable companies he's worked for. Yeah, definitely. And he contributes to Vanity Fair and ABC News. So like definitely um, news outlets and in, in the writing aspect of like updated um, day-to-day news. So he, he definitely keeps up with the, the times of where he is. And also the, for the conception of this book, he was actually living in Gloucester. 
Yeah. Gloucester. Gloucester. <laughs> Gloucester in, 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 in 1991. And uh, he heard when there was a big storm that came through, he heard one night that the Andrea Gale went down. And that's what kind of sparked his uh, his ambition to write this book because he thought uh, he wanted to write a story about dangerous jobs and one being fishermen and sailboating and all that and that's where it, it sparked just um the idea of this book and then uh it, it just kind of went from one chapter into an entire book absolutely and he grew up in massachusetts overall as well so it's, he didn't just have a small stint in in this town and then kind of that that was it he he was ingrained in the culture for, uh, you know when you live in massachusetts you understand cape cod nantucket <laughs> you understand the sea for the most part. So he, he he had that. It was interesting though the the version of the book that you and I have there's a there's an uh, there's an ending to it where he talks about writing it and how difficult it was to get some of these people on board partly because as he describes it it was just easier to funnel their anger, anger into him even though they weren't actually upset with him. Uh, and, and just the way he speaks about it, it seems sort of distanced, as if he'd never... It was kind of like, if I just read that versus doing research, I would have been shocked to know that he actually lived there at the time that it happened. Because mm-hmm. uh, for the most part, he, as far as the book's concerned, he took himself out of that equation. Yeah, definitely. And I can understand um, post the book being... Um celebrated by so many and and the actual reactions from the people who it actually personally affected from the crew members and the family members that lost them uh yeah it, it felt like misplaced anger because they they were still upset that they didn't have information on their own family members that they lost and therefore a guy who obviously had no ties to these men either wants to write a story about them so i, I can understand that there might be some frustration there especially when he doesn't have the details. He admitted in the for- foreword that he did not have all the details of the, of the event. So it makes sense why the family members didn't receive him too well. Well, one of his strategies eventually became, hey, I'm going to write this book, and if you guys don't tell me how fishing works, I'm going to screw this all up. They're like, oh, God. <laughs> now, also, un- understandably, at the time that he was going around asking questions, it was still very fresh, and there was still... You know, by, by that point, cameramen and other news outlets going there to try to interview these people. And at, they're sort of just kind of fed up with the way it was covered and just dealing with it in general. And so you, you had that sense of going into it. But luckily, it seems like, at least from his perspective, that eventually people did warm up to him more so than most. Yeah, eventually they I mean at first they were at bay with him, but eventually they they like bought him beers and after talking um they they officially, you know, kind of admit that like they're not really mad at him. So I I like that. So it's not that he he was doing all the the crew members that lost their lives in injustice. It was just uh I think the timing of which he wrote the book was probably not the best, especially when everything was so new and fresh and sensitive to them. Yeah. Let me ask you this, and it's I guess it's a larger question perhaps because it can be applied to many things, but just in this sense, when a story like this doesn't necessarily, in particular the Andrew Gale, if it doesn't have a happy ending, how do you really 
tell it, especially if it's true. It's one thing to fictionalize something and and do it that way, but in this sense, I, I mean, what do you do? Yeah, and I think, but I think that he he probably was toying with the same question. So pat it with more research and science, and 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 even the book, the Andrea Gale goes down on page like a hundred and sixty five around there. We still have a whole another hundred pages to go through. Um, to to read when like how how do you end a tragic story? You just add more science to it. Well, perhaps the reason I'm asking is because the movie, in essence, whether you know, unless you made an actual science movie, it would be the world's most boring Hollywood movie ever. They went with a humanistic story. They they introduced they stuck to the six people overall as far as on the boat. And then it also introduced us to people that were in their lives back home. Mm-hmm. And that's what we focused on in, in the movie. We end on the people back home. And I, I, th- I thought it had a good message as far as continuing dreams and continuing their legacy. It, 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 my, my, my joke to it is I think if you watch the movie, things should pop up as far as like, hey, if you want to know this, turn to ch- chapter 8, page 12. <laughs> whatever and it'll give you more information on the hooks did you know uh yeah i agree and also with the movie because we do see the family post the andrew gale going down but we also see the the fellow um the other ship of the you know the friends of the the hannah borden um that that ship also just going back out to sea and just going back to work essentially and i I think it, it shows that they Everyone had a respect for each other, but also not the professional risk, still going back out there, knowing that the same thing could happen to them. And But the movie itself kind of left on a, not a, a terrible happy note, but it's just like, just the acceptance of life keeps moving forward. Yeah, you know, uh, so let's, before we talk about like the ending of the movie, let's just, let's just go into the movie a little bit and then we'll 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 get there uh number one as far as we we often talk about the things that would make it into a good movie well Mm -hmm. when you have man versus nature that is one of the a tale as old as time right people love disaster movies and they actually do well in the box office because they're just so visual they also work very internationally because mm-hmm. not a lot at a certain point not a lot of dialogue has to be said you you see it um and so it makes sense and it's something that we all sort of deal with when you think about rain obviously this is the extreme <laughs> extremity of so what rain actually rain. is but still nonetheless down to its essence it's it's rain and it's and it's the ocean right what i liked about what the film can do well, and you were talking about um, maps. The the film actually did a great job of showing like how massive the hurricanes were and the converging point of these two hurricanes coming together and the actual visual arrows that, hey, they're both heading into the freaking hurricanes. Like that, I got a sense of like how dangerous of what the perfect storm they're going into. I like that. And that wasn't portrayed in the book. The The book really just describes how hurricanes are formed and the devastation it can create but the movie actually did a great job of showing this is the the chaos they're going into yeah i thought the movie had a lot more levity like it took the spirit of the book and even even as far as the rescue workers 
they were like, oh, why, why has it always got to be the fishermen? <laughs> yeah. Of course, they're from Gloucester. They're so, always from Gloucester. So it, it, it um, you know, because of course they're going to do their jobs, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they're, they're people just like you and I, they just have to do, they do extraordinary things. Yeah. But it doesn't mean they're not going to have the right to joke or to complain or, you know, whatever I think, you want to call it. I, I think the book and the movie actually did a really great job of showing the National Guard para-jumper rescuers. Um, that was visually well done on screen, showing these guys jumping into deep water oceans um, in, in the horrible storm that it was. I thought that was visually uh, neat to to watch and also it, it also the, the book does a great job of explaining like how much training they go through um the the different um situations that they have to train for and when the book really describes the fact that even they're giving up hope that these men these six men on the andrew gale have no chance of surviving yeah that was that was quite a as far as uh, writing a cover letter, that's not going to suffice for those guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I definitely a lot going into it as far as just training. Yeah. Like every, you, you can almost, I, in, in a sense, I was like, oh, this is very torturous. But you understood it of like, hey, listen, you think we're torturing you. Guess what? The sea is unrelenting. Mm-hmm. You don't get a choice. There's no... As the I forget the quote from the movie, but uh, you know the sea has no emotion. Oh yeah. So. Yeah. It's it's very luring, but uh, she'll eat you up alive. Yeah, I was worried for the pair jumpers too, and watching that because I think the movie did a great job of showing that these are people too. They they're doing their job, but when they can't even do their job to help rescue other people, then Andrew Gale is sol essentially. <laughs> Yes. That's what I got out of it. Like these people who are so trained, who can't even rescue others, it's not going to work. And what, what I did appreciate about the movie, because the book didn't fill out, it, it kind of speculated about how someone drowns and you know the, all, all the various ways of, of that. The the movie it didn't necessarily have to go into that, but but the fact that they had still a fighting spirit pretty much till the end for the most part. And, you know, you kind of know at that point they're going to die no matter what. But but just the fact of they're laughing at certain points after they overcome the small victories and and whatnot. uh, And it just their decision to even go into the storm. I thought that was really well handled because you want to see that as far as like, listen, we could be safe or we can make our money. It's like, no. (laughs) And that's how much it meant to them. Like, we got to make our money. Yeah, and, and because the ice machines that broke, break, uh, broke down, that like they had to go back, or else whatever they just caught is now null and void. It's pointless. So, and I understand that that because the whole theme throughout the movie is they're not making enough money, and they finally did. So, well, let's go fight the storm because we actually have a good haul. Uh, like, and I like that because it is such a small crew. We did get a good amount of time with them in the movie to understand who's who and their personalities, and at the end, their brotherhood and that they all went down together. It was, it was kind of beautiful yet poignant to watch. What was it? Number one, I, I'm never looking at fish the same way again. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but one of the things that's interesting, both in terms of the book and the movie, is that regardless of what happened, 
and regardless of how crappy the job may be, there's a an odd, genuine love towards it, whether it's boating or actual fishing. They truly just enjoyed it. Yeah, they did. And, you, and there was a moment where you can tell, like, they wanted to go out just for the money and because it was work. But then when we had the actual fishing montages of them catching all the swordfish and stuff, and they're actually they're getting fish, they're all happy. And they're like, yeah, let's keep going. Um, so you can tell that there was also a passion, even though they're giving up like their family time and stuff, but and, and how dangerous it is. You can tell they enjoyed it. There's a certain person in general that, that just gravitated towards this no different than um, adrenaline junkies and so forth, right? And you, one of the things I thought of, whether pirates or just explorers back in the heyday, there was a, there was a lore to just being on a boat and, and just being, being against the elements and surviving. Yeah. And th- there's that adrenaline that you know what, what's coming for you, uh, you know, maybe, maybe not that day, maybe not that trip, but eventually... Yeah, and there was a sense of adventure to them, too, because even when they were going off the map, so to speak, they're going into a different territory that they normally fish in, uh, you know that was dangerous, but you can tell that they wanted to do it because there there was that sense of adventure. It's like, let's just, let's just try it, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I could, I could definitely see there being an appeal to it. Is it my appeal? No. <laughs> um, although I do, even just in the back of my mind, I do enjoy just sea fishing. Oh, see, I never liked fishing. I never liked fishing. I like. I found it so boring. Not to completely, you know, go off and tangent, but my whole family every summer we'd go out to a lake, and everyone loved to fish. I was the one person who would not fish. I'd read a book because I was just boring. Like I never enjoyed fishing. Well, to be fair. There's also a huge difference between fishing for a living and then just fishing for enjoyment. Yeah. Fishing for leisure. Yeah. If I had to fish for a living and fish weren't coming my way, yeah, I don't think I'd be happy either. Yeah, it's a, it's it can be a very boring process. Um, well, and certainly dangerous <laughs> if we've learned nothing. Yeah. So far, all right. So let's talk about the different portrayals. You know, it, it's tough to... One of the things we like to do is compare what our impression was from the book to then how it was portrayed in the movie. Sometimes movies. Mm-hmm. In this case, just singular. However, it's... I gotta say, it was tough to kind of make that comparison because they weren't fully fleshed out characters. And so, as far as anything, I was just appreciative to see anyone sort of really take on that skin. Right. And I did like what the movie did in a good way, not to Hollywood Isaac in a, in a sense, but like they actually gave these characters somewhat of a storyline and you understand their motivations of why they are going out to sea every time. Um, and like I love, I mean, who doesn't love George Clooney? Come on. Um, but him and his Billy Tyne, he, they gave him like a competitive kind of drive and brash decisions in in some ways that because they kept reiterating he's not making money they're not all making money it's like hey you used to be a good fisherman what happened so like it it gives him that um, that self-doubt that pushes him to keep going out further and putting everyone else's life in jeopardy just for the fish yeah that's where 
the the dichotomy dichotomy of the book and the movie really played its hand because when I, when I'm thinking about him not making enough fish, well, we we got a whole chapter on how fish were depleting from the world's oceans. So I'm <laughs> right. like, maybe not his fault. Right. But, I mean, what this is an all star cast of people. George Clooney. If if that's all we got, we'd be good. Mm-hmm. Clooney, Wahlberg. Diane Lane, John C. Riley, William Fincher, Karen Allen, I yep. mean, from the, you know, from uh, Indiana Jones fame. Yep, yep. And it, we also had uh, Mary Elizabeth Mast, I can never say her last name, Mastantonio, who's humongous in like James Cameron movies and stuff. So, like, and the, granted, the movie was like 2000. They're all, I mean, George is still in his heyday, but they're all really big actors at this time. It is an all-star cast, according to 2000 that year. Absolutely. So a lot of... And I, they played it really well. Every one of them I, I bought into. And I, I in particular liked uh, Clooney and Wahlberg as this duo of friends. Well, I don't know about friends, but I don't know how to describe it. It's not a mentor-mentee relationship. It's like teacher-student kind of relationship, in a way. But in the end, But with also selfish reasons. Yeah. Brotherhood. Yeah, so I th- and I think initially that might have not been there, and then certainly in the dying moment when it was life and death that that came out a lot more. It's like whatever pettiness there used to be, let's put it all aside and focus on this. And right. That. Even even the pettiness between Murph and Sully, obviously that's not really in the book, but to have that on on screen, it's like okay, these two guys hate it, hate each other, and now they're going out to sea, and now they're just going to be stuck with each other. Um, how is that going to play out? Um, and, and I did like that. That eventually did get resolved um, because it is such a small crew. If you hate each other with six people, you have issues. You have not only do you have issues, but you're in for, as Ethel says, <laughs> you're in for a long ride. Yeah, exactly. And I, I I liked Ethel in this movie. Ethel is made a big character in the book itself, and mm-hmm. so it, it was just nice to see her. You know, she's kind of the caretaker of all of these guys. Yeah, I mean, and like she's kind of that lovable glue in a way who understands who these guys are. I mean, they always go in, into her bars, so she knows them personally, and she does care, and she takes care of the people back home when they do leave. So she's kind of the foundation for everybody she is indeed um you know as far as the movie is concerned what i found interesting was that it's basically broken up into two parts the first part it kind of some wrinkles along the way we're not catching a lot of fish um the shark the hook but then the little part two is when the storm hits and it becomes survival yeah purely so it was interesting how you know, it's a very simple format. Yeah, and then I liked the movie. The movie was actually very straightforward. There's really not too much drama because there are only six people, so you can't really get lost in a storyline of them just going out to sea and never coming back. Yes. Uh, all right. Any final thoughts before we tell the people what our next book is going to be slash movie? Overall, like, I admittedly have not seen The Perfect Storm, the movie. Um, I, I was young. Originally. When the, originally. <laughs> you have at this point. I have now. But when the movie came out, I was young. I was, like, way too young to watch this. And, <laughs> to, yes, I'm young. Um, but watching it now, it still holds up very well. 
Yeah, it, it won. It, it, well, it didn't win, but it was, it was very touted for its visual effects at the time. And again, mm-hmm. think back to 2000. So very early on with CGI and so forth. And as far as this, yeah, it looks it looks really good. Yeah, it was nominated for two Academy Awards, Best Visual Effects and Best Sound. Lost the Gladiator. Lost Gladiator, which that's also a great film. Uh, visually, it's it's still a very well put together film. Yeah, it really holds up, and I think it's something that every, everyone who worked on it can be proud. And if nothing else, I know, I I know I'm not sounding like the biggest fan of the book or the movie, or at least certainly the book. But you know, I have to say, it memorializes these people, however good or bad. You know, like there's what I appreciate. There is no judgment of them. It's just here's what it is. Yeah. Because um, for the most part, you kind of have a sense that maybe, you know, they don't have life together, let's say. Right. But nonetheless, they're human beings and they deserve life the same as anyone else. Um, you know, they're trying to just, they're, they're after the American dream, trying to feed their families. Yeah, they, they were just doing their job and doing what they love. And I love what the movie also shown, you know. It opened up with the, the different names of people lost at sea and then it also cuts back to the end with now these guys are also part of the list of names that are lost at sea and life move, keeps moving forward yes indeed unfortunate uh, circumstance of the job mm-hmm. sometimes in this case all right well as we wrap this out we're here to tell you that the time travels wife is going to be our next book slash movie that we will be dissecting so go out, grab your copy, go out, watch the movie, and get caught up. And, and of course, speaking of getting caught up, uh, we've done this for a number of months at this point. We have over 10. I know it doesn't sound like quite a bit yet, but we're building this library slowly but surely. That we are. And, you know, check out those, whether it's The Jungle Book, whether it's um, Silence of the Lambs. Hugo. Hugo. Farewell lots, to Arms. So lots, lots to pick from different genres yeah and you know what we've done two we've done two sort of non-fiction books back to back we did jerry conlon uh proved Mm -hmm. innocent last time which was an autobiography this is a non-fiction so you know now we're gonna get back into novels a little bit and see where we go from there yeah and if by the way if you have any suggestions for things you'd like us to 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 do the only requirement is that it has to have a book and some sort of adaptation mm-hmm. movie adaptation yes yes movie adaptation indeed so you know definitely let us know uh what you think and we'll we'll give it a shot why not anyway in the meantime where can people interact with you everyone can follow me on twitter and instagram everywhere at serafini tv i'm at phil svitek and of course if you enjoy what we're doing then marissa and i do a specific show every week called Anatomy of Movie uh, over on popcorntalk.com where we dissect movies. Uh, oftentimes, we we also do books that have been turned into movies there, but we, uh, we, we don't do them here simply because, well, the, the books we try to choose here are sort of of the past. The movies that we cover there are much more present. Yep. Um, so, but nonetheless, it's a nice companion piece if you enjoy that sort of thing. Anywho, uh, if Thank you guys as always. We'll see you guys next time on another Adapted. Bye. From executive producers Kevin Undergaro, Maria Menunos, and Jeffrey Masters, thanks for tuning in to Book Circle Online. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment. To suggest a book title or their author, 
you can tweet us at Book Circle On. This is Book Circle Online. Thanks for tuning in.